Do you have a question about your home? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. I pulled up some carpet in my basement and there was linoleum put down. How can I get that up? Uh, there are <laughs> products that will release the adhesive. You're probably going to have to take a floor scraper and it'll work a little quicker for you, but you're still going to take a lot of elbow grease. I wish I could tell you there was a real simple solution of just put something down and scrape it up with a shovel or something, but there's not that I know of. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor, along with Ken Patterson. Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt. Thanks for joining us once again. Don't forget, Ken is here every week at this time to deal with the issues that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email him a question at our website, KenTheContractor.com. If you're thinking about remodeling, chances are pretty good that it involves either the bathroom or the kitchen of your home. Because kitchens across this country are number one on the remodel list. Bathrooms are the second in line. And then we look at living rooms and we go to other living areas, family rooms, and so forth in the house. But I want to spend a few minutes talk a little bit about the bathroom and the things you can do that save a little bit of money, especially if you're planning ahead and especially if you happen to be one of those folks that like doing things yourself. Now, get home improvement for these areas doesn't have to mean that you're gutting everything down to the structure, you're exposing the framework, and you're starting from scratch. Many times there are little things we can do that create this facelift or makeover that we hear about so frequently in the media and on some of the TV DIY shows and so forth. When we look at what we spend, I have to tell you this, and I don't want you to go out gasping for air, but according to the National Kitchen and Bathroom Association, the national average is $16,000 for a standard mid-size bathroom renovation. Can you imagine that? A lot of us live in homes. If we've been there long enough, we may not have paid much more than $16,000 for the home. And yet they're saying this is the national average for bathroom renovation, $16,000. Okay, now pick yourself up off the floor since you've heard that because you were going to remodel your bathroom. I want you to continue to move ahead with your thoughts and your ideas on doing that. So you don't have to spend a fortune to do these things. And the, 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 the items that you need to pay attention to first would be the things that are cosmetic, the things that you want to see change. Perhaps you live in a dated bathroom going back to the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. You're tired of the avocado green or some of the harvest gold that you may see in these areas. You're saying, I really want to do something different with this, but I don't want to rip all the tile off the wall. I don't want to change out the bathtub. Well, take heart. You have options. It does not involve doing anything but leaving it in place. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. So not all of these are for the do-it-yourselfer. In some cases, you may have a combination effort where you can do part of this, changing out door hardware, perhaps changing out mirrors, bathroom accessories. You can do that on your own. But you need to bring a pro in to either change the tile, the cabinet tops, the plumbing fixtures, or to have them reglaze and refinish those. And, yes, I did say refinish. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up is in a segment not too long ago, we had an email from a listener in Florida that talked about a very poor experience they had by trying to do a reglazing themselves on a tub, only to find that a year or so later they had to hire a pro to come in and take off what they put on or had put on by a non-professional and have a professional company come in and do it, one that would do it properly and issue a warranty. So if you're thinking a little bit about leaving in place, if part of your remodel in your bathroom calls for leaving in place the fixtures that are there, you can have those reglazed, but 
take this particular listener's advice, and I've told you this before, but they've experienced this, and go out and hire a pro that will come in and do it right, get at least three competitive bids, have it finished correctly, and have a warranty issued on that. And you'll find that this will perform, if it's done correctly, very well for a long period of time. Now, much to the surprise of some people, you can actually reglaze, refinish, not just paint, but reglaze existing ceramic tile that's on the wall. So if you're looking at something that really dates that bathroom, but it's structurally sound, the mortar's not coming out of the grout, it's not peeling off the wall, you don't have water issues, consider having it reglazed. These are the two biggest areas you're going to find you'll spend a lot of money on changing if you're tearing it out and starting over. Now, other options you have, again, assuming the layout is fine, look at the bathroom cabinets. Vanities are relatively inexpensive to replace if that's what you choose to do. But when you do that, you're involving a plumber. You're having to disconnect the sink or sinks, the waistline, this water supply line. You're having to pull that out. You may It may involve tearing out some drywall and other things to get the old one out and get a new one in. If you're comfortable with the vanity, consider replacing only the countertop. And the sky's the limit in terms of what you can do with countertop. Also take a look at replacing the hardware or have the vanity face refinished in place or repainted or lacquered in place. Not uncommon to see this at all today. And then when you move from there, you go to flooring. and You look at so many things that are available in today's world that you can do yourself when it comes to bathroom flooring or you can bring that pro in. And then you top all this off with some of the accessories. You're looking at mirrors. You're looking at uh, towel bars, medicine cabinets, if you're into that, those type items, and then the lighting. A lot of these are user-friendly. If you're not an electrician or you're not skilled or comfortable with that, that's an area you want to bring a pro in. But this touches on each of the elements we typically find in the bathroom. And in a moment, you'll start to see, I don't have to spend this national average of $16,000 to have a complete new look. Now, that changes if you're saying the bathroom's too small, we've got a closet we don't use adjacent to this, we're going to open this up and completely redo it. Now, all bets are off at that point. That's where I think you need to take your wish list and move forward to an architect, at least to a bathroom designer, somebody that can look at the best use of spending the money you're willing to invest in redoing that bathroom, not only taking the wall out, but maybe even repositioning your plumbing fixtures and your complete layout, really changing that floor plan. A few things that the National Kitchen and Bath Association also present to us, and this will be on my website, kenthecontractor.com, but I want to touch on this today, is when you're looking at your overall project, especially if you're hiring services, you, you can anticipate that about 20% of your cost goes into labor and about 16% goes into cabinet and hardware. Now, this is assuming you're gutting this and starting over again, and you have about 15% in fixtures, and they break this down. Again, I'll post that to the website so you don't have to sit and write all of, all of it down today, but anticipate. This is a question that comes to me frequently. Anticipate if you're hiring an architect or a bathroom designer to do this that you're going to pay somewhere in a 3 to 4% of the finished value range for that design service. And I want to tell you folks, you may say that's a lot of money, but it can save you far more than these design fees by having everything planned out, having you giving you time to work through a budget and obtain proper bids if you're hiring a pro to do it. So you have two options. If remodeling your bathroom happens to be one of the things on your agenda in the near future, that is doing it yourself, leaving it substantially intact, refacing, refinishing products, changing out light fixtures, flooring, accessory items, and saying, I've done most of this on my own. I've done it for just two or $3,000. I haven't spent 16000 and feel good about it. Your second option, if you're enlarging especially or you need to completely change the floor plan, is go with a pro, and I definitely recommend that you do that. By all means, 
Put a plan together and be sure it works with your budget and your lifestyle. I know one of the big decisions people look at when remodeling their bathroom, do you get rid of the tub and just go with a shower? And I hear most folks say, I guess a lot depends on whether you think you're ever going to have to sell that house. Yeah, and I would recommend to folks that if you have a tub in place, which is typically a 60-inch dimension, that you leave that there. You could go to a tub shower because in resale, a lot of people are looking for tubs. Even though you and I have discussed the hotel side of it, they're moving away from it. But in homes, they're still looking for tubs, especially in a master bath. All right. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, as Ken says, a house is what you build, a home is what you make it. And we are here answering the questions that are important to today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken um, at our contact number, which is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or if you'd like to, you can email questions to the website. And our website is KenTheContractor.com. Ken will be answering your questions coming up next. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is here answering the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always join Ken at 800-614-2975. Let's go back to the phones right now. And it's Donna who joins us. Hi, Donna. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Well, hi, Ken. Um, about a year ago, last summer, in fact, I heard you uh, tell somebody that needed to cool down a room where their air conditioning uh, didn't seem to reach into it about solar blinds. And nobody knows what we're talking about. So I want to know, what are they made out of or who distributes them? And are they hard to install? Well, there are two different types that I've installed professionally. And, and typically you're going to find these sold, I think, in the region you're in by window tinting companies as opposed to companies that sell draperies and blinds. It's going to be companies that do window tinting, and they'll still come out. I've had them do it on commercial jobs, and they'll tint large windows, let's say, in a waiting room in a doctor's office with a lot of sun exposure. They don't want blinds in place. They want to, they want that vision, that light inside and out, but they don't want the heat. Mm-hmm. So it's a window tinting product, and it is the same product that is made in a roller shade form. So you have a couple of options. One, you can have it actually applied to the glass, which to me – in a residence, I would prefer not to do, or you can be made into a roll-up shade, just the old-style shade that sits on a spring coil that mounts at the head of your windows, and you mm-hmm. raise or lower. And they are extremely effective. I've had them in my offices in the past. We've installed them in professional centers and in homes, but they're not commonly sold. You are not going to go into one of your big box or hardware stores, and you're not going to find them sitting there because right. it is a specialty product. So check in your region for companies that do window tinting, and these are different from the companies that do automobile glass tinting, but it is a similar product to that. Okay, because I had, uh, in when I lived in Florida, we had uh, put the tinting on, but it, what it was was we, uh, you know, we applied it ourselves, right, to the window? Yes. But what we had gotten uh, was, uh, uh, it was like you, uh, let's see, in the daytime you could look out, nobody could look in. But at night, it was like tinfoil over your window, and you couldn't look out, and everybody could look in. And I thought, N-n-n, I don't want that. Yeah, that's a problem that a lot of people don't envision with this, is you put the materials up in the daytime, especially if you purchase one that has that's a reflective surface on the outside. Mm-hmm. Even if it has a full reflective surface, in the daylight, nobody can see in. But once you turn that light on on the inside, the light level has shifted from inside to out. It's just the opposite. And uh, I, I've gone through this with people in office buildings and multi-story office buildings just saying, this is great. Nobody can see in in the daytime. Yeah, but at night, you know, they're going to watch absolutely everything, so you better be on your best behavior. Right. So uh, uh, now what you're talking about, 
uh, it does uh, hopefully it doesn't work that way. Well, no, it will. So this is strictly for heat gain purposes. It's not the type shade you're going to put in place to block out vision at nighttime. If this is in your bedroom or bathroom or, or some other private area. So, but you're only using it for heat gain. The reason I like using the pull-up shade is because in the winter months, you don't lose the solar gain that you probably want to have in that room because right. you allow the sun to heat that room in the wintertime. But in the summertime, that room's extremely hot. You want to get rid of that heat. Well, see, so, my problem is we were thinking about putting, that's why I waited so long to call. We were thinking about putting Central in here. I've got a house that was built in 1935. It's a two-story. Okay. And they want, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 to put the uh, Central in. We can't, we don't want to go that kind of, you know, and then it's going to be hard because we're going to need two units because we've, you know, one in the attic for upstairs and right, one downstairs. Right, your multi-story, sure. And I figured that the solar shades might be, uh, cheaper solution and just put them all over the house. Well, I mean, at least upstairs. Yeah, my suggestion to you is to see how well this works for you. Take the warmest room, the one with the greatest amount of solar gain in the summer, and you know the sun's positioned differently in the summer than it is in the winter. Right. So I'd take the room that is the hottest in the summer or maybe a couple of those rooms and invest in these solar shades that you, that are retractable so you can roll them up in the wintertime and see what you think about that. You will find a noticeable difference in the heat of that room. Now, it's not going to cool the room. What it's going to do is reduce the amount of solar energy that comes into that room. Right, and I've got a whole house fan, and that helps, too. Yeah, that should help you balance the air anyway from one floor to the next and, and from corner to corner because uh, that's what most of us uh, of any age grew up with was the whole house fan. You turn that on, you open the windows, and you have at least a balanced temperature. Right. But I would try that in a few rooms before you go out and invest in the whole house and see how you like it. But my experience has been just a huge difference in a room with the solar shade pulled down. Well, great. Hey, thank you, Ken, for your help. I appreciate it. I appreciate your call, and thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's go next uh, to an email from KenTheContractor.com, and this is Richard in Reading, Pennsylvania. What's up? It's like he and his wife are looking for some new floor covering. He said, I'm in the process of replacing the carpet in the family room with a laminate floor. My wife and I have narrowed down the product to two types and need some advice. One type is a snap-together that goes over a foam board. The other is a glue-down product that glues directly to the floor, I think. Which is the best and which will last the longest? We also want one that will be somewhat water and stain resistant. The store folks tend to lead us to the most expensive product. So he asked, can you direct us? Well, Richard, I can give you some information, and I hope it helps you make that final decision so that you can move forward with your project. But first, you are, have two or three questions wrapped into this one, and you also have some statements that are important. You said, we also want one that will be somewhat water and stain resistant. Well, when we look at laminate products, whether they're a snap together or whether they're glue down, you're going to find that they are substantially water and stain resistant on the surface. The manufacturing process is very similar. This is not a natural wood product. When you see the word laminate, it means just that. It's very much like the laminate that may be on your tabletop or countertop, only it's much thicker. It's made for walking and for the abuse of floor areas versus what you may have on a kitchen countertop or table. So when it comes to stain resistance, you're going to find that it's about the same. There are some items that will stain this, but if they're cleaned rapidly, you resist staining, and anything that sticks to the surface is more easily cleaned than it is in carpet or certainly other products for your floor. Now, I want to go back to the two types, and you've accurately identified the two most common types that are available, snap together and direct glue down. 
the fact that you're asking for something that is somewhat water resistant tells me a little bit that you may be concerned about tracking in snow and ice in winter months. Uh, you may be in a wet environment, in kitchen, something along those lines. If I were in your situation, I would be looking at the direct glue down because the snap together expands and contracts at a little different rate. It has a little bit of vertical move because it tends to have a foam or a cushion underneath it. There's always the possibility that when water is tracked in, or if again, if this is a kitchen area and it's being spilt from the countertops or the kitchen sink on occasion, that the water actually works its way into those grooves, into the edges, and then down below that floor. And it's more apt, from my experience, to create a mold, a mildew, and just have create issues that you're probably not going to like long term, especially if this is a heavily traveled area that you're thinking about, again, as far as getting moisture on it. So for the two, given my experience as a professional builder, I would be using the direct glue down. Now, I also have to preface this by telling you that I'm partial to that. I personally don't like this hollow sound that you get from the snap together that's over this foam material. An awful lot of people, though, really enjoy it because it is softer on their feet, and they find that it offers minimal insulation. But the main thing is that it creates just a little bit of a cushion if you're standing all day. So I think you and your wife have to evaluate that as well and decide what's in your best interest. But the, as far as the product goes, buy what you're looking for that suits your needs. Don't be concerned with whether the salespeople are trying to drive you towards one price point versus another. Buy what you're happy with, buy what you're comfortable with, and what will work best for you. And at the same time, will fit your budget. We appreciate you listening to us, and thanks for your email today, Richard. Good luck with your project. We do appreciate your email. Don't forget, you can send your emails to Ken at KenTheContractor.com. Quick break and back with more. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor with Ken Patterson. If you've got a question for Ken, you can give us a call at 800-614-2975. Or don't forget, you can email your questions to our website, and that website is kenthecontractor.com. i got one of those emails right now, Ken. Roof leaks on any type of roofing can be an absolute nightmare to resolve. And Doris, unfortunately, in Lynchburg, Virginia, has one of those, and she sends us this email. She says there's a leak in our metal roof. And I simply can't find it. Got any tips on how to detect where the water's coming in? Doris, first I will tell you that it is very, very difficult, but there are some ways that I have found to be quite successful in detecting roof leaks. In most cases, when we finally find a leak source, it's so minor, and it, sometimes it's right in front of us. We're saying, how can I possibly have overlooked that? But the real issue for many of us, including the professionals, is locating that exact source because water runs great distances in many cases before it actually shows up on the inside of the house. You could have an issue at a ridge, You could have a flashing issue around a chimney. And it may be that it's showing up 10, 15, 20 feet away from where the actual point of entry is for the water. That's what makes this so difficult. The best solution I have, and it takes two people, is to start with a water hose on the roof. And you start low. You start below the point, slightly below the point where you're actually seeing the water on the inside of the house because water typically does not run uphill. So if you start slightly below that and you completely saturate the roof area a little at a time, moving further and further upslope until you get this to leak, what that's going to do is give you the general area. It's not going to give you the exact location because it's possible that you're a foot or so above where that real water source is. Remember that you're not going to be able to replicate the volume of water in heavy rains with a water hose, but you can get water to come in through that same penetration in almost every case 
if you're persistent with this. And you may just have to sit there for several minutes, not just squirt the hose for a moment or two and say it doesn't leak. But it may take several minutes as you gradually creep upslope on the roof. Now, the reason I said you need two people is because you need someone, preferably in the attic, looking at the bottom side of the roof material. And it doesn't really matter. In your case, you're talking about a metal roof. This could be barrel tiles. It could be standard fiberglass shingles. It could be cement tiles. It really doesn't make any difference. If you follow this procedure, chances are pretty good you're going to find the source of this leak. So someone in the attic looking for that leak source, again, because it may be leaking at some point, running on the bottom side of plywood, whatever the substrate material is under your roofing, and showing up when it hits a joist or it hits some other location, it may be dropping down to your ceiling level. So this will give you a better indication of where it is. Don't just rely on it showing up on the ceiling below. If you do these things, I think you're going to find there's some success with that. Be patient. If you or no one in your household is comfortable being on the roof or you're not qualified for that, then you need to go out and hire a professional that can get up and do this. But you'll find the problem, I promise you, if you're persistent, you have just a little bit of patience. And, Doris, we appreciate your email, and thanks for listening to us on WAMV 1420 out of Amherst, Lynchburg, Virginia. And if you have a question like Doris and would like to email it to us, you can send it to our website, kenthecontractor.com. We do encourage you to check out Ken's website. A lot of home improvement information there, including podcasts of recent programs and also more detailed information on many of the things that we talk about right here on the air on the program each week. Don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow Ken on Twitter at Ken Answers. Before we wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor, get time for our green building segment. Green building this week takes a look at flooring alternatives that each of us have. You know, it's absolutely amazing how I have seen the industry change in the last 5, 10, 15 years where we've moved more and more to sustainable products. And it's not just in flooring, but it's materials throughout our home, our office buildings, where we're able to reclaim, recycle, repurpose and take products that were old and put them back into products that are new. Now, when we think about green building, I think for most of us, we understand that we're trying to do something that is friendly towards the environment. But that also means that we're not using up a resource that cannot be replenished. For example, our fossil fuels. Once they're gone, they're gone. So when we talk about sustainability, we look at woods and materials such as bamboo that's rapidly growing that can easily be replenished. Once we use a current supply, we can replant, and we'll see that come back into the market over and over again. And we look at wood products, too that may be a little slower growing, some of the hardwood saying, certainly this is sustainable, we can replenish that as long as we're good stewards of our forest, and that we'll be able to make additional wood products, flooring and so forth at future times. But we're going beyond that, and we're saying floors that we're putting down today are made of such eco-friendly products that once we peel them up in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, whatever it may be, they can easily be recycled and go back into additional new products for us. So if you're thinking about replacing any part of the flooring in your home, I want you to think about green building and doing some things that are environmentally friendly and using products that can be recycled at a later date. Think about hardwood floors, whether you're looking at maple, oak, walnut, cherry, or pecan. It really doesn't matter. These are considered sustainable products. One of the fastest growing easy-to-replenish product is bamboo, and the bamboo flooring has become so popular across this country, and the price point on that is very low, and it's a good, durable product in multiple colors and finishes today. So bamboo flooring is available for you. Another one that in the last several years has become extremely popular is cork. 
Now, for the average person, when we think cork, we probably think about a board on the wall in the house or the office that you put push pins in and you hang notes on it. But that's not true of this product when we're dealing with cork flooring. If you've never experienced it, go to one of your local showrooms and ask them to see some cork samples, walk on some of this, and see what it's all about. I think you'll find it's rather unique. Now, also, there's certainly multiple tiles that are available in the industry that are made of natural products natural cement products, and so forth. We have carpet materials that are not manufactured from oils and these resins that we've used for a long period of time. A lot of us will remember that we go back to the days when carpet was made from wool. It lasted forever, and it was quite nice and had uh, different designs in it. So look at some of the natural fibers that can be replenished when it comes to carpet. And there's a relatively new product in the market called marmoleum. And I did say that correctly, M-A-R-M-O-L-E-U-M, marmoleum. Now, marmoleum, as it would sound, is very much like linoleum, sheet vinyl, but it is completely natural. This product is made from jute, from rosin, from linseed oil, from wood flour, and various natural pigments that occur in the environment. So when you're thinking about going green, you're thinking about replacing some aspect of your flooring, I want you to investigate some of these products before you make a final decision. You're going to be surprised how cost-competitive they are today compared to where they were years ago. You're also going to be surprised at the number of colors, the quality, the various products, sizes, shapes that are available to suit your lifestyle. And that's Green Building for this week. And don't forget, whether you're working on some new flooring or uh, patching up that hole in the roof, we always advise you to look for that Made in the USA label. We do our part when it comes to buying American-made products to help people employed in this country, whether it's raw materials manufacturers or the people actually producing it or getting it to you. So do your part. Look for that label. You may not find it on a particular display, but you will find it when you get ready to buy it, dealing with your big box store, with your supply store. Ask them, are these products made in America? And if not, ask them for products that are. Because those dollars trickle all through your local community when you spend them locally and to their products that are made right here in the USA. Well, that'll wrap up of this hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken the Contractor is the show where folks come for professional answers. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or online at KenTheContractor.com. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.